The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you'll see us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to. Subscribe to. Let's enunciate today, Greg. Nah. Subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part. Support your doing your part. What is wrong with me? Doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. That's that eight-year threshold. I've only said it 718 times. Um, I'm sitting here, sitting over there, celebrating his 30th birthday today. Happy birthday to Jake Lloyd. Sure. That's okay. right. All right. Anakin Skywalker All right. <laughs> turns 30 today. That's if you just wanted to know, that death awaits us all. Special. It's oh, oh, tough. crap. I'm not even doing the... I'm not even monitoring the... We're uh, off our the, game today, guys. Yeah. Ishmael's gone. <clears throat> it's Ishmael's fault. <laughs> I'm blaming him. It's <laughs> hardly fair. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Let's see here. First four through the door, my man Brent Holman. I owe him a, f- a phone call back. He left me a message yesterday, and I just got swamped. Uh, Miziel, Daniel, Rob. Hi, guys. How's it all going? That's four. Uh, I'm trying to get through all the early stuff I've already missed. Greetings from Tony Blaylock, Ed McElroy. Miziel saying the coaching carousel finally hit Georgetown. That's true. We just heard about that. Yes. Uh, Tim Guzman, hello from Bel- Belton. Matt Solis in the house. Wow, Quero Gobblers today. Oh, Brent says test came back and all was normal. Good. That's what we want to hear, man. Okay. All we right. Can, we can start the show now. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Roberts, whose football opinions we can trust. He's in. Today is Tuesday, March 5th, 2019. 268 days until Thanksgiving. Episode 719. 719. Uh, Adrian Beltre's offensive win percentage in 2014. Wow. And you're probably wondering what that is. Yeah, I, I didn't know, know either. Know. 719, a very hard number to come I up guess so. on the Rangers baseball reference page. Uh, so, uh, But that is an actual thing. You can look that up. Uh, on today's show, guys, we are going to announce the 2018 Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Teams of the Year. Um, I'll explain why we're announcing them and what what it all means uh, coming up here in a minute. And then back half of the show. We just don't want you to buy the magazine. Yes. That's why. Um, and then back half of the show, we will uh, continue our series of college football postmortems. Uh, we are now talking about the Texas Longhorns. Uh, they mm. had a football team in 2018. We'll discuss what went right, what went wrong, and what we can expect in 2019 from the Horns coming up here at the back half of the show. Um, let me plug something, okay? if I may. There is a new episode of Tep and Step. Oh, that's true. Up yeah. on TexasFootball.com mm-hmm. for insiders, and it should also be in your podcast feed mm-hmm. uh, if you are an insider. Um, Matt Step and I went on for a little more than an hour yesterday. Uh, a lot of... Uh, I hate the word rumor because I feel like that has like a negative connotation, but just a lot of scuttlebutt. <laughs> a lot of 
a lot of rumblings and stuff. We, we kind of dive into, um, including things that I don't think have previously been reported uh, as far as the Texas high school coaching carousel. We have a lengthy discussion about the, um, the drama in both Whitesboro and in McGregor. Uh, we talk about transfers and some high-profile transfers and whether or not we think those are going to go through. Um, and then, if you're into that kind of thing, Matt Sepp also did his five best meals on the road this year from the season. So oh, the places, because as you know, he, he... That's how you get your money's worth right there. He asked the coaches, uh, where should I eat before the game? Um, the number one the, the, the number one pick was uh, interesting. It was something I did not anticipate. So, um, McDonald's. It, that's exactly right. It was a Burger King. Yeah. It was a Burger King in Claude. That's yeah. what it was. No. Uh, so, TexasFootball.com is where you can become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Get that podcast in your feed um, today. And we were going to do these. We're going to do those podcasts, I think. Try to do every three weeks, three to four weeks. It's going to be kind of, you know, we did at the beginning of May, uh, March. We'll probably do it at the beginning of April, beginning of May. Because that would work out because uh, at the end of May, I will be a um, psychopath uh, yeah. with magazine stuff. So yeah. uh, then we might do I one. could always host one of those, though. Yeah, we could figure it out. Yeah. It's not like you have anything to do, right? That should be mostly done by then. Uh, I've planned uh, I've planned my editorial ca- calendar out about four weeks ahead of where it was last year. So uh, yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. There was some scrambling last year, but in yeah. any case. Um, so let's get into this. The uh, We are going to announce the 2018 Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Teams of the Year. And you're probably wondering, well, why are you announcing them right now? Well, first and foremost. We don't want you to buy the magazine. That's not true. We do want you to buy the magazine. Um, about three weeks ago, we came together as a staff and we put together our um, superlatives. We picked the teams of the year, the players of the uh, players of the year, and the coaches of the year in each classification. And we went through and, and, and kind of wanted to make sure we honored some of the best and brightest teams around the state in each classification. And it's very difficult because there are great stories all over the state. Um, but yesterday, I finally got around to emailing the coaches. <laughs> That's plain and simple. Is that I? It was on my list of things to do. It had gotten shoved back and shoved back and shoved back. But now I've let all the coaches know, and so I feel comfortable. Since it's their news, and they deserve to hear it first uh, from me. And so I, I want to tell them that. And um, a few of them have already tweeted about it, and we're, you know, we congratulate them, but we want to announce the 2018 Dave Campbell's Texas Football High School Football Teams of the Year in each classification. So, we'll start in Class 6A, the Amarillo-Tascosa Rebels. Um, Tascosa was a team that I believe started the year barely in the top 40 in 6A, if if at all in the top 40. And a team that we thought had a chance to be okay, you know, and, and honestly, in the early going, we kind of thought, oh, maybe this just isn't the year for Tascosa. Um, this was a team that, that you know, then caught its caught fire in the playoffs in a big, big way. Um, a team that, that I think, I don't know if necessarily anybody saw coming, uh, the way that they were able to roll through. I mean, I'll be honest, when they lost... Um, right before district play started, when they lost that game uh, to Brownsville Hannah, yeah. that was when I was like, mm, I just don't know if this is going to be the case. Yeah, you think, good team, yeah. not a deep playoff run team. But, but they got hot, oh, and, boy, and suddenly ever. in the playoffs, they were unstoppable, beating Pebble Hills, beating an undefeated Arlington team, being a really good Mansfield-Lake Ridge team, being a previously unbeaten Halton team, and then, by the way, in the state, making it all the way to a state semifinal for a panhandle team, which was really impressive, and then... Um, 
coming within a whisker of, of knocking off long, eventual state champ Longview, 45-42. Uh, they end up losing in, the, in that game. But uh, Coach Ken Plunk and, and what the Rebels were able to put together in 2018 was very impressive. Uh, that's why they are our Class 6A team of the year. Class 5A, I think that this is probably pretty obvious. There are some that I think you can argue with, and, and I'll certainly hear a lot of um, you know uh, conversations about other teams, but in 5A, I think it has to be Alvin Shadow Creek. Um, a, a, we, we've talked on and on about them, uh, a first-year varsity program making it all the way to a state championship game. And by the way, I know that it didn't end the way that they wanted it to, but there was there was some talk, if you remember, if you kind of listen, put your ear to the ground of the Texas high school football world, there was talk that there were a lot of people who thought that they were going to get blown out in that game, mm-hmm. that they were going to go in and Highland Park was just going to smash them around. Go ask Randy Allen if he enjoyed playing Shadow Creek. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he did. I think that he was he was happy to get out of there with a win, but he knew how de- how talented and dangerous that team was. And it just goes, I, I just can't stress enough how rare it is to see a team in their first varsity season have that kind of success. I mean, it would be remarkable if they made the playoffs in their first varsity season. To then go undefeated in the regular season, to win a district championship, and then soar all the way to a state championship game in your first varsity season, Brad Butler and the Sharks certainly deserving of being our Class 5A Team of the Year. Class 4A, talked about two teams, a team that made the semifinals, talked about a team that made the championship game, 4A, we're talking about a state champion. The Waco La Vega Pirates. And a team uh, that, to me represented um, a team that, that got hot at the right time and a team that got, got right at the right time, that, that, got, that improved as the season went on. Because, look, early in the year, you know, with a new coach and Don Hyde, uh, you know, they lose, they, 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 they start the year one and two, um, you know, they lose to Argyle in a heartbreaker, and then they go and they lose to Austin LBJ, and you start going, boy, is this just a down year for uh, for La Vega? Well, then a funny thing happened is that they just didn't lose again. <laughs> they rattle off, they roll through a very difficult district, by the way, a very difficult district. They end up beating Midlothian Heritage on the road as well in non-district, uh, but they beat Stephenville, they beat China Spring, they beat Brownwood, they beat Gatesville. Then they get into the playoffs, and they are a wrecking ball and absolutely taking apart a number of really impressive teams. The two the two wins, yes, obviously the win over Liberty Hill is impressive, but the two that really caught my eye was in back-to-back weeks in the playoffs to beat Paris, who was really, really impressive, and Argyle, a team that had already beaten them earlier in the year. That, to me, was the mark of a team that had really figured it out. And I don't know if there was a more impressive team in Class 4A all year long than the Waco La Vega Pirates. That's why Don Hyde's Pirates are our 2018 4A class, or Class 4A team of the year. Class 3A, Spearman, the Lynx. Um, and, and look, we don't want to make this all about what you do in the playoffs, but the story of the Lynx is essentially the story of what they did in the playoffs. Because let's not forget that this was a team that finished fourth in their own district. This is a team that entered the playoffs at five at at six and four, uh, pretty you know, and and we were thinking, okay, well, that kind of stinks, you know. They they had lost three straight heading into the playoffs. They lost to Tulia, they lost to just to Childers, and they lost to Canadian. And then you go, okay, well, you get undefeated Cisco in the first round. Nice knowing you, Spearman. Yeah. Uh, but wh- but Aaron Witten's squad had other ideas. And in the second, in his second year there with the Lynx, he was able to put together something really, really special uh, to knock off Cisco uh, and, and and then to knock off Idaloo to make it all the way to the regional semifinals. Uh, 
from a fourth place finish. I thought that Spearman was awful impressive once they hit the postseason. Uh, they became one of the stories of the state. And to me, that is worthy of being the Class 3A team of the year. Class 2A, the New Deal Lions. Uh, Coach Matt Hill's squad make their first ever trip to the state championship game. Uh, and a team that, that was a, you know, it was good in 2017. And then they became truly great in 2018. What a joy it was to watch Jet Whitfield uh, and this entire offense uh, operate and, and to roll through uh, a very difficult Region 1 uh, and then make it all the way to the state championship game. Very impressive to see what Matt Hill and the Lions were able to do uh, getting to their first state title game. Uh, I think that they were one of the the, the truly remarkable stories of, of Class 2A and and in Texas high school football, uh, and certainly deserving of being our Class 2A Team of the Year. In Class 1A, the Lakey Eagles. Speaking of first varsity seasons, this is not the first varsity season for Lakey. They've been playing football for a while. But the Eagles did decide to change things up. Uh, Lakey, uh, in the in the offseason, I believe this was right after the 2017 season, opted to drop down to six-man. They opted to say, no, we want to play six-man ball. They've always had the numbers to be eligible for Class 1A, but instead of being a 2A Division II team, they say, okay, we're going to drop down uh, to Class uh, to class 1A. And what a, an inspired decision uh, that was for the Eagles. Coach Shannon Williams comes in from Zephyr and takes over this Lakey team, and they are a wrecking ball from word one. Uh, when you consider that their only losses on the year were to Kroll in Week 2, and then in the playoffs to Milford, who ended up playing for a state championship bad. in a state semifinal, Awful impressive from yeah. Lakey. Uh, Shannon Williams has a ton to be proud of for this team, and I know he's very, very proud. But this is a team that, that picked up the six-man game very, very easily. And, and I know that there, are pro- they, there may be people who aren't familiar with the, with six-man football who say, oh, well, of course, they're dropping from 11-man football to six-man football. Of course they'll be good. That's, that would be like going from the NFL and playing in college. It is, no, it is an entirely different game. And there are a lot of teams that drop from 11-man to six-man and struggle for years and years. Yep. But Lakey picked it up right from the get-go uh, in a terrific, terrific year uh, from their sophomore running back, Hunter Williams, uh, who, by the way, was a 2,300-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard passer on the year. And by the way, just a sophomore. So get used to Lakey. They were our Class 1A Team of the Year. And our private school Team of the Year, let's go out to Fort Worth, the Fort Worth Nolan Catholic Vikings. Um, this was a team that we had pegged last in their district in Dave Campbell's Texas football, last in their district. And meanwhile, they had, obviously, uh, some other plans because uh, this team uh, seems to take that personally. Uh, this was a team that that, that found a way uh, to put things together. A lot of it came from an, an outstanding, outstanding defense. Uh, they were able to run all the way uh, to the, uh, into the playoffs. You know, I know it didn't end the way that they wanted it to, but to win their district uh, when they were, you know, a year after I believe bottoming out at something like three and seven, if that's correct. I'm going to look that up very quickly. Uh, five and six. They made the playoffs, but. To turn that around and finish the year 9-2, and two, Coach David Bowden truly put together a remarkable season uh, for the Vikings.
rankings, certainly deserving of being our class, our private school team of the year. And so all those teams are going to be honored in the 2018, 19 rather, summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas football uh, in the team of the year section. Uh, so we want to congratulate once again all the teams of the year in 6A Amarillo Tascosa, in 5A Alvin Shadow Creek, in 4A Waco La Vega, in 3A Spearman, in 2A New Deal, in 1A Lakey, and in the private schools Fort Worth Nolan. Congratulations to all of those schools. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to check out TexasFootball.com to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. I mentioned it. There's a new podcast for insiders only. If you want the, the scoop, on, on the Texas high school football offseason, Matt Stepp and I uh, went for about an hour. That's tap and step. You get that. You get a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. Lots of great stuff on the site, including uh, recruiting analysis from our friends at Next Level Athlete and our recruiting analyst, Greg Powers. Uh, you also get two magazines, 2019 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, mailed directly to you early. You will get it in your mail early. Don't run around to Walmart, H-E-B, Berkshire's. Instead, let's mail it directly to you. Uh, you also get the 2018 for a little bit for a little bit longer. When did we say we're going to make that flip? There's going to be a time where if you subscribe after X date, then you will get then the first of the two magazines you will get is the 2019 Summer Edition. For now, if you subscribe today, you have the 2018 Recruiting Edition of Dave Campbell's Text Football, which profiles more than 400 prospects around the state, including the top 300 kids who just signed in the class of 2019, all the way to the class of 2022, which are kids who just finished their freshman year. So, you get all of that uh, for the low, low price of 19.95 for the first year. 19.95 to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. It makes a great gift as well if there's uh, what's coming up. Tomorrow's Ash Wednesday. <laughs> also, you asking me for dates and deadlines that you don't know is rich. Do we? Because um, you are the dates and deadlines do we, in this office. Do people give gifts gifts for Ash Wednesday? <laughs> I mean, why not start a tradition? So I, um, my my mother told me I called I called my mom yesterday and she told me that the church that in uh, that they go to go they go. By the way, if you want to swing by, they're doing drive by ashes. You can just walk in and get ashes. Oh my god. So, there you go. Because it's just about making sure people know you got the ashes. Getting that thing not done. about actually going to church. Nope, just gotta get in, get out. Bada bing, bada boom, get smudged on the head. Mm. We'll see. I don't know. I don't see. Um, I don't know if all the time. I'm I'm supposed to be on daycare duty. I mean, by the way, that's one thing that I that I I want to mention is so Hank's at daycare now uh-huh. for the first time. Uh-huh. Um, so they have. I guess this is a new thing. Probably not. I'm just a first-time parent. Um, I can watch him. They've got cameras that you can you can watch your kid uh, in there. It's very. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's it seems it seems very uh, statcast. <laughs> just watch, <laughs> just watching him. And he's he's just laying in bed. Well, he's laying in a crib. And what I always like, say to you when uh, I always have to tell my wife that when people talk about their kids, we can't also bring up our dogs like they're the same thing. Go but for I, it. But I will say, please. The dog daycare place has a camera. Does it really? Yeah, so you can watch the dogs playing while you're gone. So I don't know who learned from who. How <laughs> the, 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 the kid daycare or the dog daycare, but uh, I can relate um, somewhat. How often do you do you watch the dog? It depends. If it's a short trip, I don't care. But if like we're gone for 10 days, I'll be like, ah, oh, you know, there they are. They seem fine. <laughs> you're just basically like, because that's the thing. What are you going? What am I going to do? I don't know. There's I mean, like th- we did it when we were like in Rome, <laughs> you know, like. 
if there's a if there's a dog humping my dog, what am I gonna do? Get on a plane and fly back? You know, like yeah. they need what they need is they need like an ability to like sound an air horn in there just to yeah. get to, to break that up. No, 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 break yeah. that up. And if you hit the panic button from Rome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into, let's continue our series of college football postmortems where we are recapping the 2018. This is what happens when Ishmael does college football. He's, you guys now see who the who the true guardrails of this of this show this thing, are. Uh, keeping this thing in a straight line. So let's start. Um, let's let's talk about the Texas Longhorns. Um, and let's start uh, with them. Um, you know, they go they go ten and four. Uh, they go you know certainly a ten win season. Especially the way that Texas had been going, and basically since Mac Brown left, yeah. nobody's going to look a ten-win season in the mouth. This was really, really fantastic uh, from uh, from from the Longhorns. So let's get into uh, what went right, and what went right is is honestly kind of a little bit of of everything. Like you can look on every side of the ball and find things that that went right. For example, offensively. Uh, I th- offensively, I think that there were big questions about whether or not Sam Ellinger was ready to step forward and take that next step. And I think it's pretty clear that he stepped forward and took that next step. I thought he was uh, really, really exceptional uh, this year. He was he was very good. The running game was not amazing, but it was kind of. In fact, they were. We'll get into something they they did wrong at the moment. But from an effect, from an efficiency perspective. Um, they were 28th in the nation. That, that's pretty darn good. Defensively, defense was just overall pretty solid. Nothing, nothing really bad to say, uh, you know, about this defense. Uh, they, they were they were overall pretty solid. They were especially good in the front seven uh, against the run. Uh, they were pretty darn solid, and especially they did not give up big plays in the in the running game. You know, the other thing that stands out to me when you take a look at, at overall, they're very good on third down, 49th or 49 percent on third down. That's 11th in the nation. Uh, that's very good. Uh, and and most importantly, they were good pretty much in every third down. They were good when it was third and long. They were good when it was third and medium. They were good when it was third and short. They were very good offensively in third down. So. Overall, a lot of really positives here uh, to do it. By the way, the other thing is the um, the, the, the turnover margin. They, the, they turned the ball over. They were plus nine in turnover margin. Uh, a little bit. There's a little bit of turnover luck in that yeah, uh, to go say, with yeah. um, because uh, their expected turnover margin was plus 6.1. But even if you're plus 6.1, that would be 16th in the nation. As, yeah. as expected. So they were putting themselves in a position to make plays defensively, and that was something that was awful impressive and I think awful uh, kind of missing from this uh, from this team. Overall, like I would say, defense, playmaking, and the offense just kind of efficient. Just kind of took care, took care of presence. So then let's talk about what went wrong. There was almost, it's, it's kind of odd that there was almost no real explosiveness to this offense. In fact... Um, if you're looking at the kind of the numbers from a marginal offense uh, explosiveness perspective, they were 116th in the nation. They did not break big runs. Uh, the passing game, uh, you know, was 77th in the nation in explosiveness. They just basically did not get big plays. Um, Good at plotting. They were very pl- yeah yeah. Pl- that's it's that kind of makes it sound like they were unexciting, and I, I don't want to say that they weren't exciting. It is a Tom Herman offense, after it all. It is, but it was it was methodical, is what this yeah. offense was. So if you were looking for those home runs, they simply didn't hit a lot of them. That was one thing that they, that they did poorly. The defense is is kind of hard to figure out because they made huge plays, but the secondary overall was only okay. They also their sack rate was not incredible. They got pressure, but they never got, they didn't get home. Um, and, and overall, 
This is the team that, that from a defensive perspective, I think was was good, but maybe not great. They're 49th in the nation overall in S&P uh, de- uh, defensively. Um, I would say that, that this was a team that, that kind of, they were, in a lot of ways, boy, how do I want to put this? Oh, here we go. I'm trying to put this in a Time way. to make some people angry without meaning to. I would compare them in a little, in a, little, a few respects to what Kansas State used to be under Bill Snyder, in the sense that this was not a team that really wowed you. You know what I mean? Yeah. This was not a team that that had that. This is not Mike Leach Texas Tech offense where yeah. they're hitting big plays. Yeah. This is a team that was that they needed to take care of the football and they did. They needed to plod along and and kind of drive down the field methodically and they did. And overall, it just ended up that they were efficient enough to make up for some uh, problems they had in hitting home runs. If you're ideally, you want to be efficient and explosive, but you got to be at least one. And they were certainly one of those. So I don't want to crap on them, but they did not hit a, a ton of big plays, and that's something that they probably should consider um, doing better in 2019. Um, the other thing is that from a d- uh, defensive perspective, um, you know what's what's really funny. They were incredible offensively on third down. Uh, part of that is that their average third down distance uh, was 28th in the nation. It's very, very good. Um, but they were really bad defensively on third down. 47%, 117th in the nation on third down huh. defensively. It's really, really interesting. Okay, so offensive MVP. I think it's Sam Ellinger. Yep. Uh, I, I thought about getting cute. And going someone like, first of all, Colin Johnson, or, Colin Johnson, yeah. Zach Shackelford yeah, was excellent right. for them, yeah. an all Big 12 pick. Yep. Um, there were a number of guys offensively that you could go with, but I think that at that point you'd be getting too cute. Yep. Sam Ellinger, we we asked the question heading into the season, could Sam Ellinger step up and take that next step? And I don't think there's any question that he did. And he's a big reason why they won 10 games. He was really, really solid in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and and it was, it was, I thought that, that, it, it, there are other guys who certainly deserve a little bit of, of credit. Little Jordan Humphrey certainly deserves uh, a lot of credit. Uh, I, I think that actually uh, Keontae Ingram deserves uh, a little bit of credit as well. Uh, but oh, and as I mentioned, Zach Shackelford and that all, leading that offensive line. Uh, but to me, I would say that the guy that 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 stir, the straw that stirred the drink was Sam Ellinger. He's my pick for offensive MVP, defensive MVP. A few different places you can go. I'm going to go with Charles Amenahu. Uh, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about how this is a team that made splash plays. Well, here's a guy who made splash plays. 18 tackles for loss, 9.5 sacks, uh, two, uh, 22 run stuffs. This is a guy who was really, really eff- effective. Um, I think you could also go with a guy like Gary Johnson. Certainly will not hold it against you if you want to talk about a guy like Gary Johnson. I think he was he was really spectacular. I also think if you want to put in a guy like Caden Stearns. I think I thought Caden Stearns was really good as a freshman. Uh, but to me... Um, the strength of this team was in the front seven, and the strength of the front seven was Charles Amenahu. And as a result, he's my pick for defensive MVP. So then let's look ahead. And and look, guys, the hype train's going to start rolling. Oh yeah, I'm just letting you. In fact, you could make you can. In fact, I would say that that the hype train has already started rolling. Yep. It is heading down the tracks. Yep, they're going to start the year ranked. They're going to. There's a chance that they start the year ranked in like the top fifteen. Yep. There's going to be a lot of hype around this team, um, and understandably so. Look, they bring back the quarterback. Uh, they bring back um, a number. They bring back a, a, an exciting young running back. They f- they filled some holes in the offensive line. Most notably, yesterday they got a, a very big uh, George, uh, 
graduate transfer from Georgia Tech, who's a two-time All-ACC uh, guard. He's transferring over to Texas to fill in an immediate gap. The offense is going to get a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of pub now. Look, they need to find some weapons on the outside. I think Devin Duvernay has to has to step up uh, in a big way, and, and I think that they're going to need some of these youngsters, some of the guys from this really outstanding recruiting class, to step up and be impact players early. Defensively, defensively, it's interesting because we've talked a lot about that about how good the secondary could be, right? Brandon Jones, yeah. Caden Stearns, um, Chris, you know, a, a, a number of guys that I think B.J. Foster, guys who could be really, really good. But that front seven is getting wiped, guys. Anthony, uh, Gary Johnson, Anthony Wheeler, P.J. Locke, or rather he's, he's in the defensive back, but uh, Charles Amenahu is gone. Um, there's a lot of guys who are really impressive. Uh, Chris Nelson, Brecken Hager, all gone. There's a lot of guys that, that they need to fill some holes defensively in the front seven. But look, make no mistake, this team is going to be talented enough to challenge for the Big 12 title. And that hype train's only going to start heading in one direction. Um, I'm really, really fascinated by this team because I think I think you can squint and you can certainly see a Big 12 cha- uh, champion. And if you see a Big 12 champion, then we're talking about a chance at the playoff. But there are a number of holes, specifically at the linebacker core and specifically uh, in the uh, in the de- uh, at the at wide receiver that they need people to step up. If they fill in those holes, the sky's the limit for this team. Uh, it's just going to be very, very interesting. And by the way, uh, their schedule, if you're interested, they do play LSU in, in week two. That's certainly going to be something. Um, they should start the year two, you know, no worse than two and one. They should beat Louisiana Tech. They should beat Rice. Um, and then, look, they're at West Virginia. They got Oklahoma. Uh, they got to go to TCU, who should, be a, who should be a little bit better. But they go to Iowa State, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. But I will say the schedule sets up okay for them. Uh, if they can get out of, if they can get past Red River at something like five and one or six and zero, oh, suddenly, th- if you think the hype train's going now, just wait till then. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, Texas is always interesting, uh, and and next year, um, I think that that you know, Sam Ellinger screamed into a microphone uh, that that we're back. We're back. Um, I will say I think there's a chance they are. And it's been a while since we've been able to say that. So it'll be very interesting to watch the Longhorns in 2019. And now we go to Max Thompson for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Longest final thoughts ever. Oh, no, really? Oh, man, so many final thoughts. So many final thoughts. First off, I don't know. When when were you rating what months are the good months? Was that on the Teppan step? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Well, March, we got a, March is a bad month. We got a lot of feedback on that. Oh. You're getting a lot of... Brent says, uh, I'm going to disagree with you about the month of March, but this is a personal thing for him. The best month solely because it's when the bass start to spawn. The trees are budding. The bass are doing their thing. Best month of the year besides September. Uh, I, am, I am not in a position to disagree. Uh, Ed, Ed McElroy says, uh, February is much worse than March, and I told him you can't legally say that without getting divorced. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, and, and when so your th- wife's favorite month is February, you don't get to my, say that's the worst month. My wife is a Valentine's Day lover. As well as that's when her birthday is. Yeah. So February, I, I can love o- February. Uh, February yeah. is my favorite. Yeah. Right. There you go. There you go. Uh, Corey Hoke says March is an awesome month with conference tournaments and NCAA tournaments for all divisions. The only thing, uh, I don't know. College, I was, I, I'm I'm much more anti July. I mean, what's funny? Not a whole lot what's going funny on in July. is that August is actually a trash month that has like the best ending. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, football it's starts like, at the end of it. It's yeah, like if you want to if you want to tell me that like the first 26 days Just of August are the worst month of the year, yeah. I might hear you on that one. Yeah. But the problem is those last five are so good. Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree with that. Uh, kind of random. There's a couple of random ones here from Ed. Uh, since you brought up transfers, does it bother you kids moving to better programs? Personally, I have no problem with this. Kids can move for academic reasons, so why not get a better program or coach? I Look, from my perspective, I know that you guys are talking about this on your podcast. I, I am Mr. I don't care. Transfer in high school, transfer in college, maybe once per year. Like, that would be the limit I'd put on it. You can't do it all year, but, like, that's it. I, I don't care. I really don't, and I think it's overblown. And if you think allowing free transfers will suddenly bring in some nefarious influence that's not already in the game, you're naive. The only thing I will say, um, I think it's I think it's inevitable, is I, I don't think that, like, I think that if I were to, do I love it? No. But it's why would I why would I yell at the ocean? You know right. what I mean? Like, there's no yeah. point in, in, in doing that. And yeah. so um, it's going to happen. Yeah. The one thing I would say is you said no more than once a year. I would say once. That if you want to transfer once during your like once during your high school right. career at, after that like you better have like a really 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 good excuse. Sure, that would be my thought on it. But right. I also I don't know. It's yeah. it's it's tough to it's tough to say because on one hand I don't want to be out here just like openly uh, endorsing free agency because right. I do think that would be bad. Yeah. But I also rec- recognize that it is inevitable that there are going to be some number of kids who transfer, and they say it is not for athletic purposes when yeah. really and truly it probably is. I don't know. I think sometimes it's just kind of silly. I mean, I went to an all-football school in high school, and I was a baseball player, and if I could have gone to a school that cared about baseball before football, I would have jumped over the moon at the chance. Right. And I'd, you know, like that's – so I sometimes I just think it's kind of kind of a silly thing, and it's a little too uh, – people are being a little selfish when it's other people's lives that they're they're arguing about. Um, good question from Brent here. We've talked about this a little bit before, but it bears repeating. Now that basketball is almost over and high school teams turn their attention to seven-on-seven, seven, how much stock do y'all put in how they finish this summer? Maybe too early, but I've been thinking about it. Oh, you mean um, how early they, they finish as in, like, you're talking about, like... No, 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 how, how they finish in seven-on-seven seven oh. relative to what it means hmm. for the upcoming season. We've um, talked about this in the past, but it bears repeating. Yeah, yeah. I would say that there are... There, there's a number. There's a number of factors involved. First and foremost, obviously, if you have a good quarterback, we're going to take notice, and we're going to say, "Oh, yeah. it looks like they have a very good quarterback." Yeah. Uh, I remember last year we came away from the seven-on-seven seven tournament looking at Gunner and saying, "Boy, okay, they have a running team that also has a really good quarterback. Yeah. That could be dangerous." Yeah. Um, but there's two things you got to watch out for. One is that you do have teams that will go out there and they will run a seven-on-seven seven offense. They will yeah. go out there and they will run essentially an offense that is yeah. designed exclusively to win seven on seven games. Yeah. I don't put I put almost no stock in that. Yeah. Uh, you got to be running some sort of uh, you know normal normal kind of offense in my mind. Yeah. Um, but I will say that look, I'm I'm a lot more interested in individuals than I am teams, and so I want to go out there and last year I know when we watched Quero. We yeah. watched Quero and we saw Jordan Whittington, Kieran Grant. We're like, yeah. okay, yeah. they've got dudes. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for when I watch Seven on Seven. Yeah. So I would put I put some stock into it. There is that we've done this study a million times before, but there is a loose link between if you win a big 12, if you win a big twelve, uh, if you win a state Seven on Seven tournament, or you go deep in a state Seven on Seven tournament, that you have a better year in the in the fall. Yeah, but. 
Um, it's a positive I, correlation yes. at the very least. At least over time, it's become more more so. I would, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's a it's a positive correlation, but it is not one that I would necessarily take to the bank. If that I, makes sense. I would like it if they did it in May instead of late June, so I'm not dying on the surface of the sun. Yeah. I get a golf cart and I'm still complaining. Yeah. But uh, well, I, I get know. to leave after one day, so that's good. Yeah, you always leave after one day, and then on the next two days, all the people are like, "Where's Tepper? I'm I sorry. To get my picture." All the little kids, all the little kids so, are like, sorry, "Where's man. Tepper? I'm I want to get my picture I'm, with him." I'll be I'll be in Arizona at a wedding. Sorry, man. So it's not. Like, here's the thing: I'm escaping the surface of the sun in College Station to go to Phoenix. Yeah. In, but, in but you won't be standing outside in Phoenix for 12 hours. Yeah, you're right. But I will be wearing a suit. Not the same. Not the kind same. Kind of. Uh, Tony Blalock says, "For the kid daycare, it's so you can make sure the daycare folks aren't neglecting the kid." I don't know. I feel like Tepper's kid probably needs to be neglected a little bit. I'm just saying that I need my son to go in there and set the tone. That's that what you think? Go in there and be like. Speaking of saying the tone, Meziel says, "What if one day you catch uh, them trying to teach him to say Astros with his first word?" Uh, better that than Cardinals. I, oof, okay. And I'm married right. to a Cardinals okay. fan. Okay. Yeah. That is uh, that is by the way that's a fight that is like brewing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, and finally, Brent closes out with, "Are you kidding? Hank's first words are you gonna, are going to be Are you kidding me?'" Which. Oh, the kid? Yeah, Hank's yeah. first words are going to be, are you Probably. Me? Yeah, I mean, looking looking at you every day. Yeah. Are you kidding me with this? Like, what? Are you serious? But that's not, I mean, you're fine with that. Mm-hmm. I, you'd half expect it. That's exactly right. That's it. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending Prairie Day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Vince Young, please give me your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today. Mm-hmm.